0: It was the most bipartisan vote for an impeachment conviction in U.S. history. It was, however, short of a two-thirds majority. So on this Saturday, former President Trump has been acquitted of incitement of the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. The are 57. The nays are 43. Seven Republicans voted with all 50 Democrats to convict, including Susan Collins, who agreed the attack on the Capitol was no spontaneous act.
1: It was the culmination of a steady stream of provocations, provocations, by President Trump that were aimed at overturning the results of the presidential election.
0: Her rationale echoed the closing arguments of House impeachment manager David Cicilline, who said former President Trump's actions constituted incitement of violence and a dereliction of duty. The president knew this was happening. He didn't do anything
1: to help his vice president, or any of you, or any of the brave officers and
0: other employees serving the American people that day. His sole focus was stealing the election for himself. Defense Attorney Michael Vanderveen said former President Trump never explicitly called for violence. At no point did you hear anything that could ever possibly be construed as Mr. Trump encouraging or sanctioning an insurrection. Senators, you did not hear
2: those tapes because they do not exist.
0: The closing arguments brought Trump's unprecedented second impeachment trial to its evident conclusion. And we begin tonight. In Washington with ABC's Elizabeth Schulze, though never really in doubt, the outcome still managed to surprise today, Elizabeth, and the road to get there a little bumpier than anybody counted on.
3: That's right. Well, from the start of the trial, this was a long shot to get those 17 Republicans needed to join all the Democrats to get to the two-thirds majority to convict former President Trump. But in the end, this culminated in what was a historic vote still. Senators stood one by one, voting guilty or not guilty, and seven Republicans voted with the Democrats to convict Trump for inciting the Capitol insurrection. Now, this voting capped off was a pretty chaotic day in the Senate chamber today. Senators were confused, frustrated, and, and visibly upset by this unexpected vote this morning to allow witnesses in the trial. Now, at one point during this discussion, the chamber even erupted into laughter when there was a suggestion that witnesses would be deposed at one of Trump's lawyers' offices in Philadelphia. It was a very confused setting Ultimately, we know that that decision to allow witnesses ended up ba- getting backtracked as both sides really didn't want to prolong this trial. And, you know, Aaron, this was an emotional week for so many of the senators who were serving as jurors. For many of us watching, it, we saw this graphic and violent video. And ultimately, as the week went on, the mood in the Senate became clear that they wanted to get this done. And that's what we saw today. The arguments from former President Trump's team were incredibly quick from the onset, And I will just note that Trump's lawyers were hugging, they were smiling, and they were fist-bumping after the vote took place today.
0: ABC's Elizabeth Shulsey covering the developments in Washington. The only reaction from former President Trump came in a statement. He called the acquittal another phase of the greatest witch hunt in the history of our country. So we turn to our White House correspondent, ABC's Karen Travers. Uh, No regret from the former president and no contrition either
4: yet no responsibility taken by President Trump, he doesn't cede anything in this statement, which was pretty lengthy and very different from his statements after the first impeachment and his acquittal uh, just about a year ago, because this was a written statement. It wasn't a tweet, it wasn't him speaking off the cuff as he did at a prayer breakfast the day after the Senate acquitted him the first time around. This was a, a carefully worded statement and it's very much unlike what we have come to expect from Donald Trump. The president doesn't get, the former president, I should say, doesn't get into the nuts and bolts of the trial, the constitutionality question or really even what he was charged with doing. He didn't cede anything in this statement, doesn't take any responsibility and did get into a little bit of the, but what about the other side? The president uh, said it was a sad commentary on our times that one political party in America is given a free pass to denigrate the rule of law, defame law enforcement, cheer mobs, excuse rioters, and transform justice into a tool of political vengeance. Mr. Trump saying that essentially that is what the Democrats, his opponents, have been doing. He did give a little bit of a hint of something to come. And you remember, Aaron, we haven't heard from the former president now in weeks because his primary method of communicating, Twitter, has been taken away from him. He said that the Democrats can't forget the 75 million people that voted for him just a few months ago and promised that his uh, patriotic and beautiful movement, as he called it, to make America great again has only just begun. He teased a little bit of a political news in the future. He says, I'll have some uh, much to share with you in the months ahead and continuing what he calls our incredible journey together. There is going to be a lot of talk now about the fact that President Trump, former President Trump, can run again for president, which is something he certainly was uh, thinking of doing, and there was a lot of buzz about that. After November 3rd, that buzz dramatically decreased to the point of going away after January 6th, but now I think the president down there in Florida will start thinking about what his next political step is. He's certainly been thinking about it, getting ready then soon to announce something.
0: And still seems to hold sway over the Republican Party. It's ABC's Karen Travers. There were seven Republicans who voted with the Democrats to convict former President Trump. At least one of them is already facing backlash for it. So let's turn to ABC News political director Rick Klein. Louisiana Republicans voted tonight to censure Senator Bill Cassidy. And, and he may have been the biggest
5: surprise among the bunch because the other uh, the other members of the Senate to vote to convict were either retiring or uh, kind of famously moderate or broken in the past with the president. Uh, Dr. Cassidy is a different a different animal here, and he has gotten a fierce backlash since his vote earlier in the week to allow for the constitutionality of this trial. Uh, but he did what he was told to do by by his colleagues, including Mitch McConnell, to vote his conscience, listening to the evidence and come to this judgment. But, Aaron, it does highlight just the, the gravitational pull of partisanship that President Trump benefited so much from throughout his presidency and now in his post-presidency as well. He remains a popular figure among so much in the grassroots, even even now after these incidents and, and, and this ugly post-election period. Uh, and, and that really was on senators' minds much more than, uh, than, than the consequences of, uh, of joining the Democrats would normally be. It's what you do if you uh, if you anger the MAGA movement. And the, the MAGA movement is very much energized and motivated. We saw it against Liz Cheney and others like Adam Kinzinger, Van Sass, A- And now uh, Senator Cassidy, the latest to recognize that there's real peril to going against President Trump. And of course, seven Republicans, Republicans, Republicans did break with with uh, with their party, the most ever in an impeachment conviction vote. But 43 Republican senators lined up behind their man.
0: And, And there were differences among those seven.
5: Yeah, that's right. And I think you can look at different groups here and say, well, you've got people uh, like uh, like uh, like Senator Burr, uh, like Senator Toomey, who are retiring from purplish states. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, Collins and Murkowski, the famous moderate duo, they, they sat side by side through most of this trial. And I think most people presumed that they would vote that way as well. And then I think Senator, Senator Romney, Senator Sass, and Senator Cassidy, they're all trying to find a, a future for themselves and for uh, a non-Trump figure in the Republican Party. And they found a way to break in this moment and to say, "Look, this is about principles that are larger than any one man."
0: Rick Kleins, our political director here at ABC News, our political analyst is Steve Roberts. What does the day's events say to you, Steve?
2: Well, I think that uh, yes, there were 43 Republicans who lined up with uh, Trump. I bet if it was a secret ballot, there would be a lot more. As Rick said, um, uh, there are uh, a lot of Republicans who are still frightened of Trump's ability to retaliate, but. There also seven is significant. And also right after the vote, even though the Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, voted to acquit the president, he took the floor and said that uh, accused the president of a disgraceful dereliction of duty, uh, blasting the president, saying, you know, I voted to acquit because I thought. It was unconstitutional to go after a, a president who had left office. But um, on the uh, facts, uh, uh, the president was guilty. Uh, and um, uh, this is he's not the only Republican who's done this. Uh, Nikki Haley, the former governor of South Carolina, served in the Trump administration as a bachelor of the United Nations, uh, a major star in the Republican Party. In her interview just the other day, um, said it was a mistake for the Republican Party to follow Donald Trump down this path. And so uh, what you have now is a party that's slashed to Donald Trump, as Rick was saying, but also uh, understanding that this is an unpopular uh, position. Uh, 56% of Americans in our poll said the president should be impeached. So how do the Republicans handle this going forward? Trump is very powerful, but they're Uh, The unity is fraying at the edges, Uh, and uh,
0: there are other Republicans who I think believe that as well privately, Aaron. ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts on a day when former President Trump was acquitted of the single article of impeachment that he faced, accusing him of incitement of an insurrection. We're joined from Georgetown Law by Professor David Super. We know the House managers fell 10 Republican votes short of a conviction, but where might they have made inroads?
6: I think the outcome of this was largely preordained. Uh, There are very strong political reasons for not convicting, and ultimately all impeachment trials involve political judgments. This one did. The earlier one for President Trump did. The one for President Clinton did. Even the one for Andrew Johnson did. And the Republican Party at this point uh, was not inclined uh, to vote to convict a leading member of their party.
0: Throughout the trial, he decried what he termed the January exception to impeachment. He said that the, the former president could still be held to account, uh, even though he committed his, his alleged crime when, when he was on his way out of office. Uh, the, the House responded, the, the, the former president's uh, attorneys, I should say, responded by saying he could still be brought up on criminal charges. Is that actually a realistic possibility? We don't
6: know. Um, The president may well have pardoned himself before he left office. There's nothing that requires a pardon to be publicly disclosed. He may have pardoned himself and felt that not disclosing it would be helpful in getting Republicans to vote to acquit him uh, in this proceeding. So uh, I think it's far from clear whether there will be criminal charges. State criminal charges have been discussed in New York, uh, Georgia, possibly other places, and the, uh, any pardon he might have issued himself wouldn't apply there. It is, anything along those lines is, is very preliminary. And it's very hard to guess whether uh, those will go forward.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to ask if you could imagine a Biden Justice Department actually bringing a case.
6: The president uh, clearly has no appetite for this. On the other hand, one of the things he said over and over again as a candidate is he wanted to depoliticize the Justice Department and so it's very possible uh that he would not intervene. Uh his attorney general is someone who served for a long time as a judge, is uh, accustomed to making independent decisions uh apart from politics. So it's certainly possible that this decision would be made by career prosecutors based on the evidence that they amass and that both the president and the attorney general would let them make the call. Let
0: me pull Rick Klein, our political director, back into our conversation for a second. Rick, we heard of the Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, with a forceful rebuke of former President Trump after the vote to acquit. Does that maybe signal that McConnell could be open to some kind of criminal prosecution here?
5: It was almost an invitation for the Biden Justice Department to pursue that. But uh, the flip side of that is that McConnell had an opportunity to really change the equation when it comes to, came to the impeachment vote. He decided early today to signal that he was going to be a vote to acquit. Uh, he, it may be that he realizes this is just a political hot potato, hand it off to the, the, the Biden Justice Department because he doesn't want to handle it. He realizes that uh, 43 of his own members decided to stand with the president, including himself today. So it's easy to say, let someone else deal with this. Uh, but I do think he was sending a very clear message. Uh, and, and if the Biden Justice Department does decide it wants to, produce, uh, uh, to pursue something, he will now have the words of the Senate Republican leader saying it, uh, it's appropriate uh, and that this is the recourse that is in place uh, and is the appropriate one to pursue when it comes to an outgoing president.
0: There will also be the words, Rick, of Congresswoman Jamie Herrera-Butler, who was going to be called as a witness. In the end, the House managers abandoned that call and instead had a statement from her entered into the record in which she recounts a conversation that she says she had with uh, Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader who spoke to President Trump on January 6th. And the way she describes it, the president uh, at first denied his supporters were responsible for the riot and and was reluctant to uh, actually do anything to call off his supporters. Should the, the witnesses have been pursued and get a fuller accounting of what had happened?
5: yeah this is just one of those things that is going to go um undone as is in in terms of this impeachment case as thorough as it was and as uh, much of a record was built for historians there is a missing series of pieces there was more information to be gathered some of it could have been gathered if indeed congresswoman herrera butler uh, had been uh had been subpoenaed uh some of it could be g- gleaned if kevin mccarthy was brought in for testimony mark meadows mike pence the, the former vice president all of those folks had pieces of the story to tell they may uh, tell the them, but they didn't tell them as part of this impeachment proceeding. So this 11th hour development with, with the congresswoman expressing a willingness to, to have her testimony uh, shared with the United States Senate uh, it's just it's just going to be one of those one of those uh, what ifs forever because uh, it, of course it, 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 after a little flurry today, uh, it looked like the Senate was moving in the direction of uh, having witnesses. in fact, there was a vote to allow them but then a backtrack and just uh, just a simple reading of her statement
0: into the record abc's ben siegel in fact was uh, in the in the chamber and at the capitol when all of this was going down and for a while ben it it really threw the the events or the expected events of the day into disarray
7: that's right the best way to describe this aaron was that it was uh looked like a diversion in the road for for where things were going today but it ended up being a cul-de-sac this really threw proceedings into chaos for several hours it took democrats and republicans in the senate By surprise, they did not know what the managers were going to do. Uh, And when the Senate broke to sort of figure out how to move forward, uh, several Senate Democrats came up to the managers and said, you know, we shouldn't do this. You guys can't do this because it opened the Pandora's box. Uh, The Trump legal team had a list of 300 witnesses, they would call. Each witness would have up to two hours of debate on the Senate floor. It would really have implications uh, for President Biden's agenda.
0: So the Democrats, the Democratic senators, really then, Kind of told the house managers to hold off.
7: That's right. It's a. Com- it was a combination of that, and also the, the 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 warning that some of them gave that they could potentially be be bringing Republicans back uh, over the fence to the other side again. Senator Chris coos we're told uh, of Delaware, a Democrat who is very close with President Biden, uh, warned the managing team that uh, they would potentially lose some Republican conviction votes and maybe even some Democrats uh, if they move forward with witnesses and. Uh, one of the points that the managers made defending their decision to to sort of settle for this agreement and proceed with the final vote uh, today was that they had run out of options in terms of uh, willing witnesses who were uh, would, would comply and cooperate with their investigation. Congresswoman Herrera Butler was willing to sit for a deposition, a deposition her office later said, uh, but there was nobody else who was willing to uh, cooperate with the team, and they did not want this to get caught up in the courts for years. Uh, the point was made that the judge uh, House Judiciary Committee is still litigating uh, uh, the testimony of Don McGahn, who's the former White House counsel for President Trump, uh, from the first impeachment inquiry. Uh, and that's years later. So they were very reluctant uh, to go down the road of forcing testimony from people who were not willing to give it. And when you look at the list of people who were willing to uh, really uh, publicly sort of cross President Trump and Republican voters and, and testify to, his actions or inactions on January 6th, it was a very, very short list.
0: Mm. Ben Siegel, some fascinating behind-the-scenes moments from the Capitol. Ben, thanks. Uh, I want to turn back to Karen Travers, our White House correspondent, because uh, as some of the Democratic senators were telling the House managers, uh, you really shouldn't be calling witnesses here for, for the reasons Ben outlined. Uh, White House made clear today we didn't have anything to do with it.
4: Yeah. That was flat out what the White House said. They were not involved with the discussions over calling witnesses or any deal that was made about the calling or not calling of witnesses. And that squares with what the White House has been saying for several weeks now, that this was a process that they were not going to manage, that it was a process that they were not going to get involved in, that Joe Biden, as a former senator, trusted the Democratic senators and the House impeachment managers to figure out how to do this. And he wasn't going to weigh in on every twist and turn. And he certainly didn't. There were a lot of questions over the last week and a half, Aaron, about uh, how this should happen, whether the president and former president should be convicted. And Joe Biden stayed out of it, and so did the White House.
0: ABC's Karen Travers, our White House correspondent, on the acquittal day of former President Trump for the second time at his unprecedented second impeachment trial. So what does this mean for the former president and for the GOP writ large? We'll get into that next I'm Aaron Katurski. You're listening to an ABC News special.:
3: Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author, and I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer.
2: The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers.
1: There's a Hannibal
0: Lecter feel to him.
2: For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast
0: wherever you listen. You're listening to an ABC News special, the impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Aaron Katursky. If Democrats were hoping January 6th was a wake-up call for a divided nation, this day may remind us of the enduring partisanship that kept enough Republicans together to reject the impeachment charge. But acquittal did come with a public rebuke from Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell. The
7: people who stormed this building believed they were acting on the wishes and instructions of their president. And having that belief, was a foreseeable consequence of the growing crescendo of false statements, conspiracy theories, and reckless hyperbole, which the defeated president kept shouting into the largest megaphone on planet
0: Earth. We're joined now by conservative writer Matt Lewis, the author of Too Dumb to Fail, How the GOP Betrayed the Reagan Revolution to Win Elections. Matt, it's good to hear you. Let's start with McConnell's statement there. Was this a profile in courage or him having to have his cake and eat it too since he voted not guilty?
8: I think the latter. um, I mean, he really, Mitch McConnell really made the case for the prosecution. It's, It's pretty stunning. He pretty meticulously went through and made the case, I think, that that proves that Donald Trump was in fact guilty of inciting this this riot and the attack on the Capitol. And yet he voted to acquit. And his excuse is resting on this constitutional argument, which is his notion that you can't convict somebody in an impeachment trial who is no longer president. And there are a lot of problems with that. There is precedent that you could do that.
0: Where does the GOP go from here, though, the, this party that McConnell is, is part of the leadership of? How does it recover or does it have anything to recover from? We heard a, a fundraising pitch from the Republican National Committee sent out shortly after the, the, uh, the acquittal that said the Republican Party proved it is stronger than ever.
8: <laughs> well, I will say on a positive note, this is actually the most bipartisan impeachment in history. <laughs> um, so we have to remember that. And I think there were some profiles in courage, You know, there were some Republicans who took very risky votes and did the right thing, but obviously not enough. My view is I'm somebody who grew up as a center-right person, I grew up a, you know, a child of the Reagan years and had great admiration for Ronald Reagan and really hope that people like Marco Rubio and Nikki Haley would be the future of the Republican Party and not Donald Trump. I think it's very clear that the Republican Party has sacrificed the moral high ground. They probably did that a long time ago, but I think today was a defining moment. And um, look, political parties sometimes go away, sometimes they change. Uh, Maybe this Republican Party will find a way to, to heal itself. but what happened today is is not a good sign
0: though matt you're still hard pressed to find a more powerful republican in america right now than donald trump he is still a force and will be after this even though as the house manager said despite his acquittal he's still stained
8: right so this is someone it it really defies logic if you think about it donald trump is a one-term president first of all i mean I don't remember Democrats clamoring for more Jimmy Carter. I don't remember Republicans give us more George H.W. Bush. Let's run him again in four years. That just doesn't happen. So he's a one-term president. He's been impeached twice. As I noted, this was the most bipartisan impeachment trial in history. So it's really an indictment on Donald Trump, not not something to to be proud of. Although he's probably going to brag about being acquitted, but it's not really something to be proud of. And I, you know, he also lost during his tenure, the US Senate and the House of Representatives. So he is basically Herbert Hoover in terms of the effect he's had on the Republican party. He's been a disaster for the Republican party. And again, I think he's cost the conservative movement and the Republican party the moral high ground. Having said all of that, yes, I think he is still the most powerful and popular Republican in the country. And that is because he has the Republican voters in the Republican base and so it's really hard to ask Republican politicians to do the right thing to stand up against him when their voters are saying give us more Donald Trump.
0: Matt Lewis the author of Too Dumb to Fail How the GOP Betrayed the Reagan Revolution to Win Elections. Our political analyst Steve Roberts is here too. So is there any lasting damage for Trump after this? Does he have the kind of future that his statement signaled he would?
2: I think there is lasting damage. Um, uh, Look at the fact that not just that seven Republicans voted against him, the statement by Mitch McConnell disassociating himself, Nikki Haley, the popular former governor of South Carolina, disassociating herself from Trump. Look, Trump remains a power within the Republican Party in primaries, but that's very different from general elections. I just looked up a favorable rating for Donald Trump. It's at 38%. Um, This is a man who never broke 50% during his entire presidency. Um, And look, in our poll um, last week, 56% of Americans uh, said that President Trump should be impeached, almost the exact same number as uh, senators who voted, 57 today. Um, And that that included 15% of Republicans. So. Look, has the base been shaken, which is about 30, 32, 33 percent? No. But uh, when you look at McConnell, when you look at Haley, when you look at the seven Republicans who voted against Trump today, when you look at 15 percent of Republicans saying he should be impeached, that's a very significant splinter. That's a very significant fracture. Uh, If you have anything like the defection of 15% of Republicans from the party, that's a massive shift. As I say, this is not the base of the Republican Party, but these are people like Matt Lewis. These are people who are true conservatives. One of the interesting reasons why Democrats repeatedly invoked uh, Mike Pence was to say to Republicans, Mike Pence is a true conservative. When he defied the president, he was following the Constitution. That's what conservatives do. And Donald Trump is not a conservative. Donald Trump is a radical. And let's remember your conservative roots. And they're trying to drive a wedge between the Trump base of the party and those kinds of true conservatives who have been appalled by Donald Trump for a long time and are even more appalled now. So, yes, I think in the long run, there's very significant damage done to Donald Trump, Aaron.
0: ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts in his statement The former president says our historic, patriotic, and beautiful movement to make America great again has only just begun.
1: I witnessed the horror, but I didn't know. I didn't know how deliberate the president's planning was, how he had invested in it, how many times he incited his supporters with these lies, how carefully and consistently he incited them to violence on January the 6th.
0: That was House Impeachment Manager Madeline Dean during the closing arguments at the second impeachment trial. It ended in the former president's acquittal despite the support of seven Republicans for a conviction. David Super, Professor of Law at Georgetown Law, is kind enough to join us this evening. I wonder about what Congresswoman Dean said. She was in the House chamber on January 6th, but even she says she learned something in preparing for this trial you think the American people have a takeaway as well? I think so. Uh,
6: I think that most people were horrified by what happened on January 6th, but the House managers put that into context. I pay a lot of attention to public affairs, but there are a lot of things here that I remembered but had never uh, connected with this, and I, I think most people are in the same
0: position. Where were the managers most effective in pressing the case?
6: I think they were most effective in showing the pattern of former President Trump endorsing violence, uh, how close he had become to far-right groups like the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters, and how much he had said over the years endorsing violence. Uh, his basic argument in the trial was that you shouldn't take him seriously when he used words like fight uh, that a lot of other people use. And I think they showed that, taken in the context of how often he had advocated violence and endorsed violence and approved of violence after it had happened, uh, that it was fair for his supporters to understand that their call was to violence.
0: The the former president's attorneys countered by saying you never actually heard the former president use the words I call you to violence or, or something that, that would be technically uh, or, or more, most precisely an incitement. Where were they effective and where did the president's counsel fall short?
6: I think they were effective in showing that the president had approved of storming the michigan state capitol earlier and had praised the people who had done that violently uh... they had been fighting and he did not say i wish you'd been nonviolent he said liberate michigan uh... he had applauded uh... his supporters who had tried to run A Biden-Harris campaign bus off the road in Texas had complimented it, uh, uh, brought attention to it. When the president repeatedly praises violence, it's appropriate for his supporters to think that that's just what he wants them to do. And I think putting all those things together in one place, no one of them was terribly persuasive, but in law it's possible to draw inferences from a pattern. And I think the House managers uh, presented a very compelling one.
0: House Manager Madeline Dean joins us now. In fact, uh Congresswoman, good evening. We appreciate it. Uh any victory tonight in, in getting seven Republicans?
1: Oh, good evening and thank you for having me. Uh I, I'm uh, I believe what happened tonight was a victory for America. Uh that we documented for all time. Uh the dereliction of due to the extraordinary high crimes and misdemeanors that the former president is guilty of. So It's a sad victory, but that is a victory.
0: We were struck here by by something that you had said during your closing argument, that you were in the House chamber on January 6th, but in preparing for the case, that that you had learned uh, something in the scope of the horror. Do do you think the American people learned something as well?
1: I'm certain they did. Uh, You know, and the perspective is that I was inside... So I did not have access to television. I did not know what was going on. Uh, So I had no idea the numbers, the volume, the medieval kind of assault that took place. Um, But I believe and I'm confident that through our thorough presentation of the case, as led so well by representative and lead manager, Jamie Raskin, That America saw the gravity of this case, the gravity of the wrong, the gravity of the incitement by no less than the president of the United States on a co-equal branch of government at a time when we were meeting in joint session with the vice president there. Uh, So literally at the time, for a couple of hours, when we went to a safe holding place, I didn't see a TV. So I thought maybe a dozen, a couple dozen people had breached the Capitol and were wreaking havoc. We had no idea of the scope of this thing and of, of sadly, of the death and destruction of this thing. It, it was um, stunning, eye opening.
0: Mm. Uh, there was no conviction, so there will be no consequence that the former president cannot run for office. Would you support censure?
1: I don't understand censure at all when you. Consider the gravity of the offenses that the president is guilty of. Um, And by the way, 57 senators said so in a bipartisan fashion, the most bipartisan fashion ever. And then immediately thereafter, I'm sure you noted this, both um, Leader Schumer and Senator McConnell spoke on the floor as to the president's grotesque dereliction of duty. Uh, So... In my mind, history will forever record that this president is guilty of the highest of um, constitutional crimes. You remember, this is, this is not a criminal court. This is about constitutional crimes. This is about a violation of his oath, a dereliction of his duty. And so I, I, I believe America and history and the world will forever record Um, that he's guilty of these things. Mitch McConnell said so himself and then allowed himself not to vote guilty based on a technicality, which is strange because it was his very Senate who said we have jurisdiction. They had jurisdiction.
0: Congresswoman, we're grateful for your time at the end of what must be a long day. Congresswoman Madeline Dean, one of the House impeachment managers who pressed the case against former President Trump. LET'S GET SOME FINAL THOUGHTS FROM WASHINGTON and ABC'S ELIZABETH SHULSEY. ELIZABETH?
3: WELL, YOU KNOW, THIS WAS A COMBATIVE TRIAL. IT WAS AN EMOTIONAL CASE. BUT I DO JUST WANT TO HIGHLIGHT ONE EMOTIONAL MOMENT THAT REALLY STRUCK ME. AND THAT WAS WHEN EVERY SENATOR STOOD UP ON THE FLOOR AND APPLAUDED FOR Capitol POLICE OFFICER Eugène Goodman, WHO, OF COURSE, STOOD IN THE WAY BETWEEN THEM AND THE RIOTERS ON THE DAY OF THE ATTACK. And they essentially came together in this one small moment of unity. And, um, you know, I just want to point out that Officer Goodman was watching the votes today from inside the chamber. Perhaps there's something we can take away from that.
0: Here's hoping, ABC's Elizabeth Shulsey. Rick Klein, our political director, Rick.
3: A a validation
5: for Trumpism in the end, but also a validation of the process itself. We all got a constitutional lesson, a a great national civics lesson, and this tumultuous period uh, comes to a close in a historic fashion.
0: ABC's Rick Klein, our political director. And the final word goes to our political analyst, Steve Roberts. Steve?
2: This was a legal victory for Donald Trump, but it was a political defeat. I think this trial accelerated the departure of conservative, uh, constitutional conservatives, as well as moderates from the party, um, increasing uh, unhappiness among those two groups with the Republican Party dominated by Donald Trump,
0: Aaron. ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts at the conclusion of former President Trump's unprecedented sec- second impeachment trial with all 50 Democrats and 7 Republicans voting guilty, falling 10 votes short of a conviction on the article of impeachment incitement of an insurrection. For my colleagues, I'm Aaron Katursky. You've been listening to live coverage from
8: ABC News.